Happy Thursday, everyone. Welcome back to Unbothered. Your host, Josh, here today. Let me breaking down Giants 49ers. Thursday night football tonight. Might be an obvious pick already. Just saying those two names next to each other, Giants, Niners. Then Cam Akers officially got traded yesterday to the Minnesota Vikings. I react to that and just some other things with the Rams. And I talked about 0-2 teams. Uh, there's nine 0-2 teams. Which one of those or a couple of those have the best chance to make the playoffs? We'll get down to it all. But before I get into tonight's Thursday Night Football game, there was big news that kind of just broke, and that's Cowboys star cornerback Trevon Diggs tore his ACL in practice today and will be out the rest of the season. Occurred on a one-on-one drill, uh, and this this is devastating. This isn't, to me, as big as losing Micah Parsons, but he's their second-best defensive player, their best corner. So this is a huge loss for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, my heart goes out to him because uh, he had a solid start to the year so far, a one interception uh, in two games. And he's just made a lot of progression since he's come into the league. Where he wasn't really a bona fide starter his first year. Second year, all pro, pro bowl, leads the league in interceptions, um, interception yards, pick sixes, all that, even though he did get uh, burnt a lot. Uh, tightened up his man coverage last year, only allowed 600 yards compared to the almost 1,000 that he did the previous year. And I thought this year he was looking even better and was a big part of why this defense has been so dominant in the first two games and why they're into the number one defense in the NFL right now. So for him to come out, it's huge because uh, Stephon Gilmore, who they brought in in the offseason, was supposed to be a complimentary piece to Trevon Diggs. Now he's taking that number one role, uh, which to me he hasn't had a ton of success in, since he won Defensive Player of the Year. And then you're going to move somebody else, uh, you know, outside of him, Deron Bland, on that hype on as well. So, of course, you know, compared to Javon Diggs. So, to me, this is a huge loss for the Dallas Cowboys. And to me, evens up the playing field. The reason why I picked the Cowboys to make it to the Super Bowl was they didn't have any preseason injuries, off-season injuries. They added a couple nice pieces, both on offense and defense, uh, to upgrade this team. And, again, no one really left in free agency that was like, wow, that's going to hurt the team or, you know, any big signs of regression outside their offensive coordinator. So now that, to me, is a big loss because it hurts the secondary. Um, so, man, it's really tough now because, to me, Dallas was by far the best team just a minute. I felt I had them ranked number one on my top ten yesterday. Uh, do I expect them to lose a game against the Cardinals this weekend now? No, absolutely not. Uh, but what it does is it tightens the race between them and the Eagles and leaves any room for error any less now for when it comes to the playoffs. So 
it's a big loss because, again, the reason I picked them uh, to make it to the Super Bowl alone, from uh, aside from the additions that they made, was Philadelphia. I thought got a little worse with their coordinators moving on, a couple defensive pieces as well. Uh, obviously, Minnesota wasn't going to go 11 and 0 in one score games again. They're already 0 2 and such. Uh, NFC South not competitive with the Cowboys, and NFC West is really the Niners. And again, I'm not a thousand percent sold on Brock Purdy, um, like a lot of other people are. So I thought this really is a Cowboys chance. So to lose Trevon Diggs, it's a bummer. Again, I touched on injuries um, yesterday and how many star players have been injured uh, so far this year. And so to add this one to mix um, isn't good, especially for the Cowboys. But now we'll get to see how they battle back, how they go through adversity now, and see how they look without their number one corner, which is a tough assignment for a lot of teams, but we'll see if Dallas can answer the call. I do have more faith in, faith in them than most because I like their defensive coordinator a lot. Dan Quinn, I think, is one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. So I think he'll be able uh, to right the ship with some schemes and coverages uh, to not get exploited on the side opposite to find Gilmore. But nonetheless, it's still a big loss. Next up, Giants-Niners Thursday night football. Uh, Giants or San Francisco was a 10.5-point favorite when I checked today. Now San Francisco is an 11-point favorite. Uh, to me, it's deserving. I believe San Francisco is going to win by two touchdowns. This is a very easy pick to me because the main star of the Giants offense, Saquon Barkley, will not be playing tonight. Uh, has an ankle sprain. Uh, has been ruled out. So to me, that is a huge loss uh, for this offense because he makes up the majority of their offense and their run plays uh, and such. So that to me is a big loss, especially Daniel Jones will now be, um, you know, just him, Darren Waller, um, and the other receivers they have. Uh so, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how he does. Uh, I don't think he's going to do well already this year. He only has two touchdowns to three interceptions. Uh, that's kind of what we're used to seeing in his career is more turnovers than touchdowns. Uh, and that's kind of what he is. And then in games without Saquon, he's 8-11. and 11. Not that good. So I just expect the Giants to struggle tonight in San Francisco. Um, the defense as well hasn't looked great, uh, giving up 28 points to the Cardinals, uh, 21st half points. I mean, and again, their offensive tackle, Andrew Thomas, is out. Uh, maybe Nick Bosa will get back on the sack board, which he hasn't been so far this year. Um, I just see this getting ugly. Getting ugly fast. I think if Saquon was in there, we might have a chance at an upset. Uh, you know, the 49ers are not going 16-0, 17-0. So I thought, hey, they have a shot. Now, I'm not giving them any shot at all to win this game. 
Uh, 49ers are winning. Uh, easy pick. You know, hopefully I find enjoyment of the whole game or the commentary uh, because this one won't be a thriller, won't be a nail-biter. Other NFL news, Cam Akers was traded to the Minnesota Vikings yesterday. And I talked about this on my podcast yesterday, that felt like Cam Akers or Sean McVay, Cam Akers had a falling out. And that's kind of what it feels like with Sean McVay. He kind of has a falling out with you, uh, you know, personally. Uh, not on the football field, it, it kind of doesn't work out for you. Look at Jared Goff. Now look at Cam Akers. It was like a, you know, kind of to me useless 2026 trade swap. Um, for the Rams and the Vikings get him. Um, now I, I expect there to be a stronger competition running back committee with the Vikings because Alexander Madison lost a couple of fumbles, hasn't looked super sharp. So I think. Cam Akers rejuvenated, fresh start, new offense, I think can be beneficial for him. I do think Cam Akers is more talented and just a better running back than Alexander Madison. So I do think it will work out for Cam Akers in the long run. Uh, You know, does it change my overall outlook on the Vikings and this team? No, no, definitely not. Does it change my effect on the Rams getting rid of Akers? No, because Kyron Williams has been great for the Rams. He really has. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say uh, that, you know, all hope is lost for them. But I just want to talk about the Rams, touch on them for one more a minute or so outside of the Cam Akers trade. And that's just the Rams so far. They're just a really... Uh, well-coached team. I talked about Kyron Williams, who is, uh, you know, young back, uh, rookie out of Notre Dame. Um, in two, uh, so far, back-to-back games with 52 yards, um, three touchdowns. It's been impressive. Uh, he's kind of a workhorse, 29 carries, you know, out-carried Cam Akers. Now with Akers gone, uh, they haven't really been using any other running back on the team. It was Kyron Williams and Cam Akers. Stafford had a couple, you know, scrambles, get out of the pocket. They had a couple design runs for Skoranek, 2-2 Atwell, Puka Nakua. But uh, Kyron Williams is going to take the bulk of the load. And, again, I just can't say enough how good Sean McVay has done without um, Cooper Cup, their best offensive weapon. Uh, Puka Nakua has been great. Uh, he's second in receiving yards behind Justin Jefferson. Uh, he is first in targets, and he is first in receptions. 25 receptions on 35 targets for 266 yards. Uh, hasn't broke through with a touchdown yet. Hasn't got that. But the yards after catch also has been great. He's number one in that category as well, 111 yards, uh, which is, you know, 10 more than most C.D. Lamb and Justin Jefferson, and 13 uh, of his receptions have been for first downs. That's third behind Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson. Uh, Tutu Atwell, another Rams player, is four on that list at 12. 
So they're getting these young guys, Puka, Tutu, uh, really have stepped up in this offense. Um, I, again, I think Sean McVay has done a fantastic job uh, with this team, with no Cooper Cup. Matthew Stafford, again, did throw a couple bad interceptions. Uh, but overall, um, this has been a fantastic uh, coaching job uh, offensively. And then defensively, they've also been um, really stout because, again, they're second in total offense, 406. And then defense, um, they're six in total defense, uh, only allowing 270 yards per game, uh, 21 and a half points per game. So this defense being top, being a, you know, top five offensive team and a top 10 defensive team, that's a recipe to win some games. So again, just want to give a shout out uh, to Sean McVay. I was close to putting the Rams in my top 10 list yesterday. Uh, they just missed a cut. I think I put them at number 11, but I didn't say that. Uh, but initially I did have them in there before I bumped the Falcons in there because the Rams, hey, I was during the summer saying, watch out for the Rams. They can, they can make some noise. And I kind of gave up when Cooper, Cooper Cup got injured and I shouldn't have. Uh, because this is a good football team. Next. There are nine 0-2 teams currently in the NFL. You have the New England Patriots, the Minnesota Vikings, Los Angeles Chargers, Carolina Panthers, Houston Texans, Cincinnati Bengals, Arizona Cardinals, Chicago Bears, and the Denver Broncos. So 0-2, going 0-2 to start the season is not as detrimental as it used to be. You do have that extra game. Uh, and as I talked about again yesterday on my podcast, some of these early games, uh, early in the season, kind of feel like an extended preseason with the actual players. So you can kind of get in rhythm uh, with the teams. For example, Cincinnati started 0-2 last year, and then wound up winning, you know, 13 of their final 15 games or something like that. So, or 12 of four, something like that, because uh, they played really good down the stretch. So can any of those teams do what the Bengals did last year and make the playoffs? Well, Bengals started 0-2 last year. They're 0-2 again this year. So I'm giving them a chance. Uh, the schedule is more difficult than it was last year. Uh, they also have a lingering Joe Burrow calf injury, uh, which frightens me. But thankfully, their next three games are favorable before it gets tougher. Uh, they have the Rams in uh, Cincinnati. Uh, I think it'll be a close game, uh, no matter if Joe Burrow plays or not. Then their next two are away, but they do play the Titans and the Cardinals. And then after that, it gets tough, and that's where you kind of need um, – Joe Burrow in this game. So do I believe they can get back um, to the playoffs and being a good team? Yeah, I think I do. Uh, is it troubling that they are the you know worst offensive team in the league? Yeah, it is. You know, only having 212 yards per game uh, and scoring 13 and a half points. It's not good. Again, that's tied for the least amount of points with the Carolina Panthers and the Las Vegas Raiders. 
So I do expect more from their offense. And I expect more from their defense. Last year it was around the top 10 all year. Now this year, it's bottom five. It's the fifth worst defense. 382.5 yards per game, uh, 25.5 points per game. Now the thing that, you know, I thought their rush defense was good last year. Uh, but a lot of people this year talked about their pass defense. Well, losses on their safeties um, where, hey, this is going to hurt this team. Well, it hasn't really hurt the team because they've only allowed 190 passing yards per game. That is top 10. But the rushing, that is where it gets ugly. 192 rush yards allowed per game, which is the second worst mark in the league. You can't get eaten up like that by Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, and Nick Chubb in the first week. So that's what worries me, that those two numbers, um, they're going to have to flip a switch, get something figured out. Um, I believe they can. I believe they're still going to make the playoffs and win the division. I'm still hopeful. You know, I can't give up after two weeks. Uh, but it is more of a nerve-wracking assignment than it was last year. Patriots. I believe the Patriots have played better than teams are giving them uh, credit for. You know, they're kind of middle of the pack offensively. Um, you know, 330 yards a game, 20 points per game. You know, nothing outstanding in defense is the same around middle of the pack a defense. So, you know, with that being said, you know, they had two tough games to start the year, defending champions, and then the Dolphins, who have played really good. Now they get to play the Jets, who know Aaron Rodgers. Is it winnable? Yeah, they beat the Jets 15 times in a row. Do I think they make the playoffs? No, I don't. Uh, when you still have to play the Bills twice a year, uh, the Chiefs, the Dolphins again, Cowboys, I, it's just too much for me to say the Patriots will make the playoffs. How about Carolina? I foolishly picked them as the seventh seed in my final predictions, unfortunately. Uh, are they going to make the playoffs? No. Bryce Young is not playing this weekend against the Seahawks. He is out with an ankle injury. That is not good. Then they play the Vikings, the Lions, and the Dolphins. They could very much well start the season 0-6. So are they making the playoffs soon? No, they are not. That was a foolish pick on my part. Should have picked Atlanta. Those were the two teams I was going back and forth with. Houston, 0-2. Do they have a chance at making the playoffs? No, if there's any Houston fans out there, sorry. You are the worst team in the division. Proven last week when not only Anthony Richardson lit you up, but Gardner Minshew came in and gave you that work as well. You played the Prince this week in Jacksonville. That'll be tough. A, a tough Steelers defense. Uh, Falcon Saints uh, road will not get easier for the Texans. Arizona Cardinals. Nope. They're not making the playoffs. Uh, Kyler Murray said he's itching to come back from injury, but he's still uh, not close to playing. Uh, maybe he comes back around Thanksgiving, December. Their season will already be over with. Chicago. I see a regression in Chicago with Justin Fields. And again, I do not love this coaching staff. Uh, their coach at all, Eva Flus, is terrible. And again, schedule, not much easier for them to improve on. 
Chiefs this weekend. Dropped to 0-3. They still have to play the Chargers, uh, Lions twice, um, Vikings twice, and the Packers one more time. Doesn't shape up to be a great year for the Chicago Bears. Denver Broncos, do they have a chance? No. Now, they have looked better than they did last year. With Sean Payton, I will give them that. But do they have a chance? No, they don't have a chance. Uh, They play the Dolphins this week in Miami. I expect a Miami win. Maybe they can get back against the Bears, but you start 0-3. You're not looking at a 9-10-1 team after that when you still play uh, the Bills, Lions, Chargers twice, Chiefs twice. Doesn't get easy. And the Raiders, who kind of own you now, too. They're not making the playoffs, sorry. Two more teams left on the 0-2 list. The only team so far is the Bengals that I give a chance. Two other teams, Minnesota and the Chargers. Now, this one's interesting to me because they both play each other this week. We have new, we have Minnesota versus the Chargers. So, to me, the winner will be alive and the loser will be out of a playoffs. You're not starting 0-3 and making the playoffs with the Vikings or Chargers schedule. This is a must-win for the Chargers. Uh, and I'm leaning towards the Chargers. Uh, Minnesota's got a top 10 offense, but Chargers got a top five offense. They're actually number four, 387 yards a game, 29 points per game. This offense has been pretty good. Uh, it's just been the defense that has let this team down. Uh, this defense is the worst defense in terms of total yards allowed. Um, points there up there as well, 31 and a half points, uh, where Minnesota's just Middle of the pack defensively improved from last year. Uh, so it is uh, concerning because the defense will have to get fixed. And just speaking of Justin Herbert, who I feel bad for, his last four games, uh, you know, the two this year, the playoff game and the final game of a regular season last year to improve, improve a playoff seeding, he has thrown for 1,130 yards in four games. That's 282.5 yards per game in that four-game stretch. Also, seven total touchdowns. And he's not thrown in an interception either in those four games. And the no interceptions actually dates back full five games. A completion percentage of 66%. But what's his record in those great games by Justin Herbert? 0-4. With those numbers, is it Justin Herbert's fault? No. Can you blame him for the interceptions and the completion percentage? Really good numbers? No, you cannot. Who can you blame? Brandon Staley, this coach. Uh, That, to me, Chargers lose this game. Fire him immediately. Uh, This, to me, is going to be one of the top games because it's two 0-2 teams. That a lot of people didn't predict to go 0-2. Maybe, I think majority of people picked them to each be 1-1 one one maybe at this point. But for both of them to be 0-2 is surprising. And someone is going to have a final nail on the coffin on Sunday. I give the Chargers more of a shot because of Justin Herbert and the most prolific offense. But that defense has got to shore up because Minnesota doesn't have a terrible offense. And I think they can shred uh, this defense. Uh, up. This might be another high-scoring, close game for the Chargers.
So out of those 0-2 teams, I like the Bengals and the Chargers. But really, realistically, anybody who wins the Chargers-Vikings game will have a better shot. The other will be done for. Now moving on to college football. I haven't talked a lot of college this week. There's some things I wanted to talk about. Uh, one was with Deion Sanders and Colorado State. So there was a play or a Colorado versus Colorado State um, in which uh, safety Henry Blackburn um, had a late hit on Travis Hunter. It was light. Uh, it was called correctly. Did I think it was targeting? No, he didn't leave with the crown of his helmet um, or anything like that. Uh, but I did like, you know, the response by Tra- both Travis Hunter and Deion Sanders because it was a stupid play. I'll be the first to admit that, uh, even though I was rooting for Colorado State. Um, you know, Blackburn took ownership of the hit, apologized um, to him. But there's been Colorado fans that have been sending Henry Blackburn death threats uh, about the hit. So I agree with what um, Travis Hunter and Diambo said. Uh, Travis Hunter, you know, on his you know YouTube show on Monday, said you know it's football at the end of the day. You know, stuff like this happens, um, which you know I agree with. Um, Deion Sanders you know, condemned death threats. You know, he commended uh, Blackburn as a good player, played a great game, um, but says, you know, what he did, you know, he's trying to make a life, uh, living. Uh, he does not deserve a death threat over that game. So I totally uh, am with a Deion Sanders, Travis Hunter on this. Um, you know, Deion said, hey, he's forgiven the kid, so is Travis. You know, let's just move on from it. Kid doesn't deserve death threats. Um, and he also went on to add uh, Deion Sanders, and I quote, I don't mind getting death threats. I get them every week. But a kid, it's not good. End of quote. Completely agree with that uh, perspective from Dion. Uh, commend him for that because I agree with him. It's just absurd to get death threats over a football game or just in general. Now, last thing I want to talk about is Urban Meyer. Urban, uh, the perverted Coach Meyer, who I'm not going to go into the full reasons why I dislike Urban Meyer. Check out a lot of my previous podcasts uh, near the end. If there's college football stuff with Urban Meyer, uh, I talk about that. So Urban Meyer decided to open his mouth yesterday, and I still don't know why he has a platform Again, considering the, uh, you know, investigation surrounding him in Florida uh, years ago with the multiple arrests and the Aaron Hernandez situation on his team and then his friend and assistant coach, domestic violence things that he kind of tried to cover up. He's just a shady guy, not a good man, not a respectable man either. And somehow he still has a job and an opinion on certain things. So yesterday, one of his stupid opinions was on Michigan and Georgia uh, saying that calling them out for the weak non-conference schedules that they've played this year, uh, you know, it's just bad football. 
Shut up. Oh, please, shut up. Come on. I don't want, I didn't go all the way back, but I just went a few years for Urban Meyer, who was a head coach at Ohio State 2012 to 2018. Michigan sometimes does play tough opponents. They played Washington a couple years ago. They're going to be playing Texas next year. Again, you play who you're scheduled this year and last year. Happened to be easy for both Georgia and for um, Michigan. Next year, Georgia plays Clemson. We'll see if Clemson improves, but you can only play who you schedule. I don't want to act like Urban Meyer's never had a difficult or an easy non-conference schedule because I happen to look at that. Guess what? We can do research and see. So 2012, Urban Meyer's first year at Ohio State, he went 12-0, and but because of the sanctions on the team, they could not go to a bowl game. Who was his non-conference opponents before? Miami, Ohio. That always throws me off because I never realized there was a Miami in Ohio. I just associate with Miami of Florida. But he played Miami, Ohio, UCF, California, and UAB. You're trying to tell me you had a difficult that year against those teams? You beat California? 35 to 28. In that year, they were 3 and 9. Not good. What about the following year, 2013? Oh, they played Buffalo, San Diego State, California again, and Florida A&M. Scary. California again, that year, 2013, went 1-11. Okay. You didn't play any world beaters. What about 2014? You played Navy, Virginia Tech, Kent State, and Cincinnati. Now, if you remember this, you know, Cincinnati was not good at, at the time they were now. But they played Virginia Tech, and they lost to Virginia Tech that year. They were upset 35-21 to Virginia Tech. Now, did Virginia Tech go on and have a good year? They finished 6-6 six and six in the regular season and won their bowl game to improve to 7-6. and six. So it's not like Virginia Tech was a world beater that year. You just got upset by a bad team. How about the following year, 2015? Oh, you played Virginia Tech again. Same record, 7-6. and six. You also played Hawaii, NIU, and Western Michigan. Oh, please, give me a break, Urban. Uh, trying to call people out for their schedules. Uh, your schedules, you know, that year were not difficult. I don't want to hear it um, from you on the scheduling, please. And just take a look at his last year with um, Ohio State. Three non-conference games, 2018. Played Oregon State, went 1-11. TCU seven and six and Tulane seven and six. So please, please spare me the lies, Urban Meyer. You didn't have hard schedules every single year. You did it. So that's criticizing Georgia and Michigan for the schedule they have this year when you yourself had plenty of easy schedules. I know you're upset that Michigan has beat Ohio State back to back years and there's nothing. You can do about it because you're not coaching there anymore. But please, leave us alone.
leave the college football world alone. We don't need you. We don't want you. We don't miss you at all. Respectfully, signed all college football fans, maybe outside of Ohio State, which are gross and dirty college football fans. This has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Bye, everybody.